This episode of the Pursuit Podcast is presented by Fisher Skis. You ever just wake up completely covered in poison ivy? You'd think at like 37 years old, I'd figure out what that stuff looks like. But like, I'm just going with like, if you're a plant, stay away from me. That's where I'm at. I just have to, like that is my number one weakness is poison ivy. How do I identify it? Please help me people like i know if it's three let it be but there's three everywhere like i uh, i am so allergic to this stuff it's not even funny i apologize for anyone who's seen my instagram posts Uh, i just thought i should share because but i literally look like bam bam from flintstones my forearms are bigger than my biceps which isn't saying much because you know i'm weak anyway i'm Max. this is the pursuit podcast And I have such a great episode this week. Amity Warm, pro climber, superstar, uh, the fifth female ever, like on the planet Earth, to do free rider in a day. Her accomplishments are just like, it, it is so hard to grasp what she has done in the last five years. Uh, I'm not a huge climber, but I'm fascinated by climbers because... It's just such a, a an a unbelievable sport that I cannot grasp. Literally, uh, not in a bad way, and just a, a like it's so fascinating to me. And and Amity, it's just it's just what she does. It's what she knows. She's also a registered dietitian, so we talk about nutrition, fueling the body, how the body kind of works. It's such a fun episode, and. Uh, it's just phenomenal to pick the brains of, you know, the brain of an athlete like Amity, because to her, it's just another walk in the park. So here it is. Uh, Amity warm on the pursuit podcast on the auto collective. Oh, that's a good question. I thought we weren't going too deep here. <laughs> um, I am, I'm, I'm professional climber and that's pretty Rock climbing is very core to who I am and how I live my life. Uh, I'm also a sports dietitian, so I work with clients to help them use nutrition to maximize their own performance. Um, I have a husband who is also a climber and skier and outdoor adventurer. Um, Yeah, those are probably (laughs) kind of the three most important things in my life right now. I like it. That's an acceptable. It's such a BS question to start the pot off with, and I love doing it. So I apologize in advance. You you grew up. We don't have to go like super far back, but you grew up. You were a gymnast. I assume you thought that was going to be your career. Yeah, I mean, there's always kind of an endpoint to gymnastics. Like you really don't last too far past maybe twenty. Um, your body just kind of starts to break down with the amount of pounding that it is. Uh, like it's not an old person sport, but yeah, I grew up very involved with gymnastics and, uh, thought about going to college was like, just starting to look at college gymnastics and actually fractured my back, um, kind of towards the end of high school. So that was the end of the gymnastics career, but yeah, I was very highly involved with that for a long time. Was there, was there a reason for the injury or was it just a fluke injury? Uh, it was just like two stress fractures from we were training five hours a day, five days a week, 
and then competing on weekends. So it was, it's not an uncommon ending to many gymnastics careers. And is that what led you to sports medicine? A little bit. It took me a while to get to nutrition. I had actually originally gone to school for physical therapy. I had a really awesome physical therapist while I was growing up in gymnastics, and I just wanted to be like her. So I would originally gone to school for physical therapy and then uh, eventually decided that wasn't quite the career path I wanted to take. I didn't want to be tied to an office all the time. Um, or being in person all the time. So uh, I worked for a long time while my husband was going to grad school. And then kind of at the end of that, we realized neither of us were very happy with our life trajectories at that point. And that was when we built the van and went on the road for a little while. So that was like five and a half years ago uh, that we've been in the van. And then about a year into that, I decided to go back to school for sports nutrition. Oh, so this is kind of current. Like this is n- not new, but I, yeah. I guess I just assumed you'd been doing it longer, not for any yeah, no, which way. Pretty, pretty recent. I yeah did grad school and then an internship, and I'm yeah kind of like fresh into launching the business and seeing clients of my own right now. And the whole reason, how far did you get into the physical therapy? Um, is it a degree? It's gotta be a degree, right? Yeah. So I did my whole undergrad degree for that. And then I'd gotten into grad school for physical therapy and decided not to go. Physical therapy is like the oddest form of, I don't want to say witchcraft. I'm in physical therapy right now for a neck injury and like the things they tell you to do and anyone who's done physical therapy can relate it's like nothing. Feels like nothing. Yeah. But it's but like it just do this every day, yeah. three times a day. And then slowly over three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, it works. Uh-huh. It's such a frustrating <laughs> like cure. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. But yeah, mostly I just didn't want to like really be tied to an office all the time. So you can do all of your do you do coaching? Like what is this? Yeah. So right now I mainly do like one-on-one nutrition counseling, but I can do all of it remotely just via video calls. This might be a really dumb question, but how important is nutrition for like the activities that we do? Yeah, obviously it's just one piece of the performance puzzle, but to me, it makes sense if you're pouring time and energy and money into getting better at a sport then supporting your efforts with proper fueling makes a lot of sense. You're just going to get like the most bang for your buck by providing your body with the proper fuel that it needs. Um, Kind of the easiest way to think about it is like getting better at a sport requires more time practicing it and practicing it well, not just going through the motions and proper nutrition really provides that supportive base that allows you to spend more time practicing it because it ensures that you have enough energy to get through your sessions or have longer sessions as well as recover faster in between. So you can have more of these productive sessions. So it's one piece, but I think it allows you to do a lot more, which means you get better faster. 
Is there any truth to this statement? <laughs> I've been going with this theory for a while, and I am clearly very uneducated. But if I train on Mountain Dew, will my body be used to, like, suffering through, like, huge sugar bursts and, like, whatever other terrible things are in there? And then when I actually go do the activity, if I, like, drink water and, like, electrolytes, will I perform better or worse? <laughs> um, <laughs> good question. Do you get my theory here? Like, if I train uh, at my lowest, mm-hmm. is that going to help me? People are going to be like, why are you like this? But that's okay. This is my theory. If you just train on on junk, and then when you go do something and you feel it with, like, good stuff then your body's just gonna be like this is amazing right but i think if you could be getting out of all of those training sessions like 10 percent better training sessions by fueling those things well then over time that amount is going to add up so much more <laughs> to a, a more productive outcome <laughs> than treating your body like crap over the long term <laughs> So I'm wrong. My theory is out the window. Yeah, I'm debunking your theory. Debunking my theory. Dang it. I got to cancel all my Patreon followers that have been telling to drink Mountain Dew and eat Cheetos while you train. Uh, You're an athlete. You are an educator and a sports nutritionist. Is that what what do you call? Are you a sports nutritionist? Are you a registered dietitian? Is it the same thing? Uh, It's actually not. So... A, it's a little bit silly, but a dietitian is a protected, like legally protected title. It means you've done the coursework, internship, and you've passed a board exam to be a registered dietitian. A nutritionist, like anyone could call themselves a nutritionist and provide advice. You could call yourself a nutritionist, <laughs> exactly, and tell people to drink Mountain Dew, and it would be terrible advice. But <laughs> I I am a yeah registered dietitian focused on sports. So yeah, sports dietitian. So I guess my my question is if you had to pick one, which would you pick? Athlete, educator, or registered dietitian? Like as a job. Yeah, I think right now my priority is on climbing. I'm continuing to develop as an athlete while my body can handle the demands of being a high level athlete. I know that won't last forever. Um, I'm super eager to see how far I can push myself as an athlete and what I can achieve as a climber. So I'm most focused on that right now and I love it. Um, but also passionate about sports nutrition and excited to kind of continue slowly developing that side of my career. I really enjoy working with clients and helping other people use nutrition to maximize their performance and how they feel and having good energy. Um, so yeah, priority right now is the, on the athlete side, but also knowing that that won't last forever. And I want to have my dietitian career eventually. I mean, you say that, but I feel like climbing is a, you can do that forever. Like there are some. Yeah, yeah, you totally can. But I'll, I know the like highest end of that will go down at some point. I don't. I don't know. I feel like some of the like. <laughs> I hate saying old, but like some of like the older men and women, they just like. 
it's like experience catches up. So yeah. they just work smarter the whole time. Right. It's it's it is an interesting sport where like you can climb forever. I'm sure there's people at Yosemite we've never even heard of. Yeah. Who've been climbing definitely. for 50 years, 60 years and they're just masters of their art. Right. Yeah, it's pretty cool that way. That's but yeah, that's like the really cool contrast from something like gymnastics is that you can do it for your whole life. How, why climbing? How climbing? Like, how did we get here? Yeah, I, so yeah, I quit gymnastics, uh, like junior year of high school. And I am like a really high energy person. I always need to be doing something moving. Um, so I kind of needed another outlet for this like sort of excessive energy. And my the college that I went to was actually in Texas. I grew up in Colorado. The college I went to was in Texas. And they had this like freshman orientation thing either on campus or you could do it in Colorado. And is like this outdoor adventure thing in Colorado. So of course I signed up for that one and climbed for the first time there and got recruited to work for the outdoor adventure program on campus and at the rock wall. And that was how I first got introduced to it. And then I met Connor, who is now my husband, but he took me climbing outside uh, during college. And we would go out like pretty much every weekend to this little like kind of granite dome in the middle of Texas. <laughs> and that was where I learned how to, how to rock climb. So yeah, I kind of took to it immediately. At what point were you like, I'm kind of good at this. I can make a career out of it. Yeah, that took a long time. Um, yeah, I climbed just like pretty recreationally all through college. And then we actually went up to New Jersey while Connor was in grad school. Yeah, which is not the most awesome place for rock climbing. The climbing mecca of nothing, <laughs> of New Jersey. Yeah, so really didn't get into it much more seriously up there. We climbed quite a bit in the gunks, which was helpful for the my development but it wasn't until we built the van and started living on the road that we really put more time and focus into climbing and that was kind of that was I guess when I like realized how much I really enjoyed doing this all the time and then when I went back to school for nutrition we went to we were in Colorado Springs and um, yeah, randomly they have this like dry tooling competition every year at the climbing gym we we're at in Colorado Springs. And at that competition, I, I like gotten talked into competing, even though I never <laughs> had dry tooled before. Um, but I did quite well at that and met, um, some folks who kind of helped, helped me realize that I could pursue this at a higher level and as a career. Yeah. Has it, this is all within the last five years. Yeah. Yeah. That is an insane, like, do you understand how crazy that is? Not in a bad way. <laughs> just like, that is like people work their whole lives to achieve what you have done in climbing. Yeah. I think it's always easy even still to be like, oh, I wish I'd started this earlier and why didn't I compete as a kid? And 
you know, it's still easy to be like, want more or something different. But but yeah, it's I'm excited about where things are going. I'm just trying to like figure out how to I mean, you have sponsors, you work with brands that doesn't happen usually quickly. Like, how does it start to happen? How do you get your first support? Do you actively seek it? What does it look like? Yeah. So actually, again, at that dry tooling competition in Colorado Springs, I met the um, people from camp, which Mm -hmm. is, yeah, my longest sponsor that I've worked with. They make like harnesses and carabiners and quick draws and that kind of stuff, backpacks and all kinds of things. Um, So I I happened to meet them and kind of hit it off with them and then stayed in touch over the next couple like year or so and they they started providing some support with like equipment and yeah i mean just equipment to start with and then that relationship developed over the next couple of years and they have been a huge advocate for me in terms of putting me in touch with uh other sponsors it i'm like just thinking of your timeline and that's in, it, like it's crazy to go from like climbing in New Jersey to like sleeping <laughs> on big walls in Yosemite. So from what I've looked up, you kind of just showed up at Yosemite and like for lack of a better term, just like kind of dominated the place for a summer. Like was that an in, was there intent there? Were you going there just to see what happens? Uh, you are the fifth woman to free LCAP in a day. Like that is an insane stat for someone who presumably hasn't climbed many big walls. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm kind of an all in person. I, once I'm like committed to something, I, I really kind of go all in and I'm really psyched about it. Yeah, there's got to be more than like, was there, so you roll into LCAP. Are you just like, I'm going to be here for a week. I'm going to be here for a month. I'm going to live here all summer. Yeah. So that was like the spring 2021 season that you're talking about. And I'd been to Yosemite once in 2019 for just a couple of weeks. Um, but it was like quite hot already. We didn't, I, I mean, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was very, green so didn't do like anything that crazy that in like 2019 but then in 2021 um my husband's dad is good friends with hans florin and i happened to be or happened to meet hans florin at one point uh i don't know maybe like february of that year and he was like, yeah, you should, you should go to Yosemite and like, you should go there for the spring and see what happens. And I really (laughs) had no big ambitions or like concept that I could be successful there or that I could climb El Cap. Um, but yeah, I, I went and, uh, had a couple of good friends climbing out there who, yeah, were, uh, generous enough to show me the ropes and how to set up a portal edge and haul on a big wall and uh yeah made it happen i mean it's lucky 
that you knew people? Because I've heard that Yosemite can be very mean girls. Very, you can't sit with us. You have to like earn your, which I get, like it's a thing, but it's also very, from what I've heard, again, I am not fully engulfed in the Yosemite climbing culture, but I have heard it is very mean girls. (laughs) Yeah, I, I guess I've never had that experience there. And I think it maybe was that way kind of back in the day, but there's just so many people climbing everywhere, but especially in Yosemite right now that it, it like, I don't know, it sort of maybe takes away part of that because there's just so many people there that it, it's a little less clicky, maybe. Is, again, I've still never been to Yosemite, which is a crazy concept, but oh, man. I know, I just... I'll get there. It's one of those places that like, I'll get there. It's fine. I'm not too, I don't need to put it on my list cause it'll happen, <laughs> which is fine. Um, how, I mean, you were there kind of, is that COVID or is COVID over? Yeah. It was like it was after things after had opened COVID. up from COVID. Is it as bad as we hear it is like traffic tourists? It wasn't too bad in 2021. And then Last year, it was noticeably more so. And then this 2023, we're there like most of May this year. And yeah, it's it's packed. But it's kind of the later in the season that you go, the worse it gets. So like March and April are pretty nice. And then getting into May, and I've never been there like really past that. But yeah, it just gets like worse and worse throughout the summer. How... From a climber's point of view, obviously this is a grain of salt for everyone listening, but how do we fix it? Like, how do we manage that? Because there's people that pretty much live there and want to climb all the time, and now they have to, like, leave and enter. How do we fix it? Good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I'm part of the reason it was less busy those first couple years I was there was because they did have the reservation system implemented which there's pros and cons of that like you had to have a reservation to enter the park but that limits the number of people who can go in every day whereas this year they took away that reservation system and it was just i mean there are lines of like multiple hours just trying to get into the park which is insane and like super unsustainable to have that many cars driving around the park um so I don't know, potentially bringing back a reservation system, which would cap the number of people or having some sort of shuttle system like um, like Zion does, where you can't bring personal vehicles into the park. But of course, that makes it a lot harder to be a climber living in the park for multiple weeks at a time. So I don't know. There's not really a I don't know what the perfect answer is. There is no perfect answer. It's a yeah. it's a. It's an entrapment question. No, it's just like a, it's always interesting to get people's opinions who are there. Like you're there and you know, the reservation system works. I, you know, with skiing, people are mad at overcrowded resorts. And when they did the reservations, it works. You have an idea of how many people are going to show up that day. Right. It just makes sense. Like it's, is it an inconvenience? Yes. Does it create, is it a small inconvenience for a better experience? I think yes. Yeah, it's it's super tricky, huh? Like, 
you know, we all have this sense of entitlement where we're like, I, I should deserve to be here. And I, I want to have the experience that I want to have with non-crowded parks, but everyone else wants that experience too. So yeah, yeah. it's a tricky one. It's, there is no answer. Um, I want to talk about climbing El Cap because I think this is like an, ins- I mean, the fifth w- woman to do it. Like, it's not something people are doing every day. 18 hours, correct me if I'm wrong, 18 hours ish. Yeah, for when we did it in a day. Yeah. No support, no rehearsal, and no stash gear. Yeah. Yeah. So I had done free rider like wall style. So in like four days in 2021. And then the next year, 2022 was when Brent and I did it in a day. So neither of us had been on the route since like the year before. And most of the time when people are doing El Cap in a day, you would like go up to the top and wrap down and stash a bunch of food and water and clothes and like rehearse all the crux pitches um, or you would have kind of the support crew who's just drew marring the rope behind you, but they're carrying all the water weight and everything. Um, but we kind of wanted to do it in a bit different style where this kind of more like traditional, uh, where you walk up to the wall with your partner and your gear, your rope, your food, your water for the day, and just go rock climb, like not make this whole big show of having support and wrapping down and stashing and all of that. So basically we just wanted to make a really hard thing even harder, I guess, <laughs> is what it comes down to. <laughs> how, how much water are you bringing? We only brought two liters each Oh, because we were carrying it on our harness the entire day. So we only had two liters each, which is not a lot for going up 3,000 feet, vertical feet in a day. Yeah. No. How much would you normally bring for four days? You, for a, yeah, kind of a wall style ascent, yeah. you would typically budget like a gallon per person per day. But that's including like cooking breakfast and dinner and right. and drinking it. So climbing is an insane sport to me. I just say that every time I have a conversation with a climber, because it's such an odd thing to grasp. Like it's very simple. Everyone can climb. We climb trees growing up. Like you play and then to create it like and we interrupt this episode for a little Sierra Nevada hop splash break. What is Sierra Nevada hop splash? It's sparkling hop infused water sparkling water zero alcohol maximum flavor infused with citra and armorillo hops for a refreshing med- medley of peach mango and grapefruit it tastes good it's got zero alcohol zero calories that's what you need to know little fizzy bubbly sierra nevada hop splash available nationwide so head on over to your local supermarket get yourself some 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 sierra nevada hop splash i love this stuff You've got to try it. If you haven't tried it, you're missing out. If you have tried it, send me a DM. Let me know what you think. Uh, I know I'm right. This stuff slaps. Again, Sierra Nevada, non-alcoholic hop splash, sparkling hop infused water. Like double down and then like, I'm going to live on this, in this tent on the wall or I'm going to do what. It's very ridiculous. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, basically choosing to take the hardest way up of 
up a rock and then you're coming back down. Like it really doesn't make sense. And it's such, and I mean insane in like the kindest way. Um, (laughs) And it's like, but it's such a almost violent, but delicate sport. Yeah. Like it's very, it's like, I hate saying it's like a dance, but it's like a dance you're doing. There are certain moves that you do to get you up this wall. Yeah. It blows my mind every time. What is your, this is kind of a swerve, but staying on, what, what do you eat in this 18 hour day? Like what, what are your snacks? Yeah. Um, we're obviously trying to go as light as possible, uh, while still having enough energy to get all the way up there. So I did a good job kind of fueling up the day before making sure I was like really well fueled going into it and then for the actual day we just brought uh let's see we had budgeted like 2000 ish calories each for the day so it ended up just being like a ton of bars and some trail mix and like uh shot blocks or goo packets i had like some dried dates or figs or some dried fruit with me um but yeah really it was just getting as like calorie dense of things that you could for this particular objective. What was the day before meal? Oh gosh. Um, I don't remember exactly. I think cause we started at like midnight. So I don't remember. We'd had just like a fairly normal dinner, probably some pasta and veggies and <laughs> red sauce or something. And then I think I had like a big bowl of, oatmeal or granola right before or like an hour before we started up it was like super weird timing wise because you're starting at midnight and you don't normally eat at midnight but um yeah this may be a dumb question but that's what i'm here for does it change the temperature of the rock has to change right does that affect your climbing a bit i mean the generally the cooler it is the better the climbing feels because just uh, like the warmer and warmer it gets the more your hands sweat um so you're just slipping it more and more the warmer it is so yeah colder the better usually i i apologize if that's a dumb question but i think it makes i don't know i mean it's you're just you don't want to be out there at three o'clock just getting rocked on this rock yeah, no, totally. You you really have to time it kind of with the sun. Like as the sun comes around El Cap, you really don't want to be on like the kind of friction dependent slabs or the crux pitch or you like you really kind of want to time when you're going to be in the sun. Is there anything so. you would have done differently? Um, We honestly had it like pretty dialed, which was cool. I I wasn't like fully confident that I was going to be able to pull it off. I knew the partner that I was climbing with, like I I pretty much knew he was going to be able to do it, but I was not fully confident that I would make it. Um, I kind of went into it of like my biggest goal was just to not mess up so badly that Brent couldn't do it. So <laughs> Yeah, for us both to be able to get through it was pretty incredible. What made you do it? I think I'm pretty drawn to these big challenges and 
kind of testing my limits and how far I can push myself both mentally and physically. And this was a huge, huge challenge that kind of checked both of those boxes. <laughs> I would, if someone was like, Hey, you want to do that? I'd be like, no, absolutely not. That sounds like a terrible time. Is it fun? <laughs> do you enjoy it? Or is it just fun after? Uh, it's a bit of type one and a half fun, maybe <laughs> like parts of it are fun in the moment. And it's really incredible feeling to like be moving that quickly in the vertical space. Uh, and for the most part, like flowing pretty well and working so well with your partner and just having all those systems like really dialed in. Um, so ha like in the moment, that's really cool. Um, toward like towards the top third of it, you're kind of suffering a bit. Like we were both super cold and thirsty and hungry and everything was cramping. Uh, cause we probably had, didn't have enough water. And so at that point you're kind of just ready to be done with it, but you also know like how glorious it will be to like stay in it and keep trying and yeah, hopefully be successful with it. Did you see a change in your career once you had achieved that goal? Um, a little bit, maybe not. Probably the the biggest thing that like really launched me or kind of put me on the map in climbing was actually the year before doing Golden Gate um, and doing that like ground up in a really good style. That was probably the biggest thing that like really kind of put me on the map in terms of being a climber, especially a Yosemite climber. It's what a bizarre sport. And it's funny. I'm again, I'm a little uneducated in the whole climbing. I understand it obviously, but like there's so many different styles and there's like different routes. Like you can climb it, but it's like how you did it matters, yeah. which is kind of neat. Um, there's probably yeah. purists out there who only do it one way. And then, um, I don't know, like, sure, you could climb a lot of it with ropes, like, with just, like, assist, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I blows my mind every time I think about it. Um, being, yeah, yeah, the whole, like, ethics discussion is gets very nuanced in climbing, especially big wall climbing. Yeah, there's a really neat documentary. I forget what it's called, but it kind of was, like, the first people who started, like, putting bolts in the wall, basically. Is that yeah. what is what is that called? Yeah, uh, yeah, just bolting. Bolt. Um, but that was like but, a big yeah, thing. That was like it wasn't pure anymore. Right. So, yeah, we're like bolting kind of like really started in Europe because they have many, like many more of these limestone cliffs where there aren't as much or aren't as many natural features for um, like the traditional protection, like the cams that you can take in and out of the rock. So you had to bolt it to be able to climb it at all um, versus in a place like Yosemite had this much more like traditional heritage where you were only climbing things with cracks where you could put in natural protection. And then kind of when this bolting idea was then brought to the U.S. and then brought to Yosemite, uh, there's a bit of an uproar about it, but but it does allow you to safely climb things that otherwise you wouldn't be able to protect with any sort of natural protection. Is there, is there still beef with that? 
Uh, not so much anymore. It's it's fairly accepted now that you would bolt an otherwise like blank face that doesn't have any sort of traditional protection. Um, there's a lot of it can still get a bit uh, controversial when we start talking about like retro bolting. So like going back and bolting climbs that were originally done without bolts or with only maybe one or two bolts. But now you see this much greater volume of people trying to climb these things and maybe like potentially some more injuries or accidents happening. Um, so there's kind of a, a discussion happening now of like, should we go back and add more bolts to these things that were originally done with less? Like what's kind of the responsibility of keeping people safe versus letting people make their own decisions? So. Is there any, like if I show up at Yosemite, I can just climb LCAP. I just walk up to the bottom and like have a rope and I can go. Like there's no one stopping yeah. you, right? Yeah. Yeah. That is insane. Is it busy? <laughs> like, are there like, is there like traffic jams on, on the wall? Yeah. But I mean, most people aren't walking up to El Cap and starting to climb it without like quite a bit of prior knowledge and planning and thought going into it. So there's not that many people just walking up to El Cap and like starting up it. But um, you could. But you could. Yeah. That is, that is an amazing thought. I mean, you probably wouldn't get like that far up it without a lot of prior experience and planning, but, but yeah, you could theoretically. Yeah. I, I'm not doing it anytime soon. I can, I can promise <laughs> you that, um, being goal oriented, what's next? Like if I feel like you've done a whole lot. If I like went back and like read all your credentials, all your stats, like in this, what we'll call five year span, you've done a career's worth of achievements. Thanks. So like, it's funny because I'm, I'm one of those people that like never feels like I've done enough. So I, I mean, I can look back and be like, Oh, like I've done these cool things, but there's so much more that I want to do. Like there's always more things that I want to achieve. And I'm, yeah, I don't know. I guess, as far as what's next, just continuing to push myself physically and mentally as a climber. Um, I don't think I've found my limits yet, and I'm very eager to keep looking for them. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm psyched about the place I'm in with climbing and working as a sports dietitian. It took a lot of time and work to get here. Uh, but, yeah, so just like to keep keep pushing and keep finding the next big adventure. Do you always climb with a photographer? Cause you seem to always have great photos. No, I mean, most of the things I climb are like the, the greater majority of what I'm climbing is not photographed. Like, yes, there are a couple of these like big ascents that are like quite important that will end up getting photo or video. But honestly, most of those probably like 90% of that is like, me going back and reclimbing it after I've already sent it. Um, it's not like someone's just following me up it all the time. It's like, oh, I, you know, I've worked really hard for the last few weeks. I finally did this thing. Now I'm going to go back and do it again just so I can get <laughs> photos on it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, definitely not walking around with a photographer, but 
I really enjoy the kind of artistic side of climbing. And I personally am not creative or artistic in that way. Um, but I think it's really fun to work with people who are. And um, yeah, like I, I enjoy sh like bringing out the artistic side of the things I'm climbing, but it's it usually means like at least another day or two of effort in terms of going back <laughs> and climbing it again and getting the getting the footage of it. How do you define success? Oh, good question. Um, I think in climbing, it's pretty hard to get away from defining success in terms of sending. Like that objectively is what equals success is clipping the chains or topping the boulder or whatever. Um, that's like pretty ingrained within climbing culture. And I think that's part of it. Um, but I think if that was the only thing that you were measuring success by, you don't let yourself try hard enough. Like if I only tried routes that I knew I was going to get to the top of, and I knew I could send without falling, then I would never try something that would like really push my limits or test my limits. Um, so yeah, working on defining success also in terms of like process goals and not always outcome goals. So like, did I show up like as my best self today and give a hundred percent effort? Like, did I achieve this small goal in terms of like, yeah, giving a hundred percent effort and getting a certain section of the climb that I've never done before. Like that's kind of a part of the process versus if I like always measured success just by sending the route, I would have very few successes in climbing. <laughs> so yeah, trying to, trying to keep it in perspective in terms of, of like success can also be learning something or supporting your partner really well that day, or just, yeah, learning a new move or a new type of movement and that you can then apply later in your climbing. Yeah. It's, uh, the more I learn about climbing, like I've done indoor and I've done some bouldering, but like, I'm not a climber. I've said that, but like, it's how much time you guys spend on one problem. Like, one, yeah, it's crazy. It's not just like you go and climb it. Like you could spend days just working on one. Is that what you call them? Problems, right? Like, yeah, typically like bouldering, you refer to it as a problem and uh, like anytime you have a rope, it's more of like a route. I okay. Guess. Yeah. For my small brain, it's a problem. Everything's yeah, a problem. Fine. No, it's, um, a certain route. Like that would be something that you just spend maybe three days on and then come back and conquer that and then go to the next. Yeah. I mean, um, people spend years on the same problem. It's, it's insane. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, what, where's the inspiration come from? Like, I just feel like you... Again, I, we've talked for 40 minutes and I feel like you're like, yeah, I just climb and I kind of do it. And like, I go all in and like, it's absolutely, it sounds like you do, but like not many people achieve again, I've said it, but like what you have done in five years, people have built their lifetime career off of. So like, where does the inspiration come from? <laughs> 
Thanks. Um, I think I've always been very, like, in or have, like, a very internal motivation. I'm very driven to try hard, um, like, try hard and achieve and kind of, like, constantly be seeking improvement and, yeah, learning and growing as a person, but, like, also as a climber. Um, but, yeah, I think, I don't really know how to explain it, but I've always had this, like, very internal motivation to try really hard. Like, that's really what I love about climbing is that it provides this space to just like fully apply myself and try as hard as I can both like mentally and physically um that like that's really what's rewarding to me is like giving a hundred percent effort and um yeah I don't know it, it it's feels like it's in you. a very natural like internal motivation if you can find what that is bottle it and sell it <laughs> billionaire it's uh it's hard to stay motivated it's hard to stay that driven so i don't know maybe it was your upbringing it's no one will know but you just hope that you keep it forever and just keep pushing like it's yeah i mean i'm never gonna be like the strongest climber out there but i know how to work hard and i think that's kind of my superpower in the sport what is something you wish everyone knew about you Oh, I think uh, it's helpful for people to remember that, like professional climbers, and I mean, I'm I'm certainly not the most elite climber out there. Like, there's climbers that are far stronger and better than I am. Um, but just remembering that we're all human too, and we all deal with success and failure and doubt and disappointment and um like we're all we're all human we're all approachable and i think it's easy to kind of um like put these elite professional climbers on a pedestal and just feel like you know these these people like never fail they're always just achieving these crazy things and um I don't know. I, I try to just be like very human in my interactions with people and like, I don't know, I fall, I fail. I, I struggle with things too. Um, but yeah, I don't know. At the end of the day, it's just keeping going. No, I like that. Cause I think a lot of people just hear or see Instagram or TikTok right. or they just see yeah. the highlight reel. They don't see you know, the two months that you put in to do that route or to do that. Like, it's just, so it is. And all the times that you fell and cried and got mad and yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to forget that we are all human. Uh-huh. Even elite athletes. Like we're human. Yeah, totally. Uh, hidden talent. I don't know. I don't think I'm that good at very many things. <laughs> I don't believe that. Um, I bake a really good chocolate cake. Um, and actually chocolate chip cookies. Those are, I'm, I'm pretty good at baking. So, okay. That... I, I usually will bring like, um, I make like Sendy dessert. So anytime someone sends their project, I'll bring them like a fresh baked dessert from the van. I love 
I love how much a little pocket snack can change your whole attitude when you're doing something or doing a mission, uh-huh. whatever. Uh, this leads me to the next question. Favorite pocket snack? Ooh. Um... I don't know. My uh, my kind of like go tos for the for the crag or for days out climbing are like some some dried fruit combo with something salty. So like some some pumpkin seeds and some dried figs is like that's a go to combo. Okay. Yeah. Uh, playlist or podcasts. What's that? Playlist or podcasts. Ooh. Usually when I'm like driving or something by myself i'll listen to a podcast but anytime connor and i are in the car together normally it's playlist what are you listening to uh (laughs) funny enough um connor's been super into the uh spider-man playlist recently okay that's been on a bit of repeat um podcast there's a like a really cool sport nutrition podcast that i'll listen to fairly often they'll just like review uh like speak to professionals and review uh like recent nutrition research so try to stay up to date a bit with that okay yeah um text or call Ooh, probably probably text Comedy or horror? Comedy. Waffle or pancake? Mm, waffle. Coffee or tea? Coffee. If you could cook a meal for anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and what would you cook? Wow. Um, <laughs> well, I've never been good at this question. Uh I don't know. I don't have a good one. What was the first name that came into your head? Because that's <laughs> the answer. It's it's. Someone asked me this question, and the first name that came in my head was Kurt Cobain, and I was like, ah, that's not the answer I want. But that was the answer that came into my head. So I feel like that's that is always the answer. Is the first name that came into their head? Uh, I don't know. I didn't even have one come into my head. I. It's really fun for me. Um, we have like a pretty nice band setup that we built out. And like a pretty decent kitchen. So it's always fun to uh, have some of the dirt bags circle around and feed feed people out of the van. So I don't know. Maybe just a good good crew at the crag. A good dirt bag dinner. What would you be cooking? Uh, either a, a pasta or a, some sort of Mexican, like some burritos or tacos. Those are pretty much the go-tos. Yeah, it's the easiest one-pot meals. Yep. Uh, what kind of van do you have? Uh, it's a Ford Transit. Nice. Yeah. Did you guys build it yourselves? We did. Yeah, we took a long time, but uh, it's been been good with us. Yeah, they're, it's fun. It's a great way to see the country, and it's a nice sense of having a home when you're away from home. Yeah. What what did you live in for eight years? Well, I had I've had a lot of vehicles. I had two school buses. I've had a Promaster. Okay. I had a Transit. And then I had a Sprinter. And I still have a Sprinter, um, but it's not, it's a very light build now. Like I just have a solar panel, some charging ports, and I put my hammock up. 
it's like nice. mostly empty now. Yeah. Um, it's all you need. So I really like, I actually, people are listening. Like, we don't care. Um, I really prefer the transit over the sprinter, even though the sprinter is like, everyone has to have a sprinter. Yeah. I think the transit's a better platform. Okay. Just from owning them all. Yeah. I mean, the four wheel drive would be kind of a level up though, for sure. From the one we have. Do you have all wheel drive or no? You're just Rear. two wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Two wheel deal. Yeah. <laughs> It, it yes, it's amazing, but also it's like six times a year that you actually need it. Yeah, I feel like it would just get me in more trouble. <laughs> um, this is my final question. It's really what's next? Like, what are you working on? Do you have projects coming out? Or do you have things you can talk about? Things we can look forward to? And where can people see you? Talk to you? DM you, reach out, hire you for nutrition help. Yeah. It's a long-winded question, but. Um, yeah. Well, currently, yeah, up in Squamish, British Columbia. And the highest priority climbing-wise while we're here is I'm trying this um, really hard single-pitch uh, finger crack. Um, super steep, really cool, um, fairly historic climb in terms of uh, crack climbing history. Uh, yeah, been super inspiring to me for a long time now. And this is the first year I've tried it. Uh, I would be a pretty big step up for me in terms of difficulty. Um, so yeah, it's quite, quite the challenge for me right now, but I'm committed to showing up and putting the work in and yeah, see what happens by the end of the season with it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what's going on right now. Uh, people can find me on Instagram. It's just Amity Warm or Amity.warm, I guess. Uh, and then I also have a website, which is also just, I think if you type in Amity Warm, it's like one of the first things that's, that comes up. And either through Instagram or that website, you can send me a message and sign up for nutrition counseling if that interests you. Or just, yeah, say hey. I'm always happy to hear from people. And if we DM you, we email you, it's you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's me. That's a wonderful privilege we all have. So everyone listening, be nice, say nice things, send nice messages. Don't be jerks. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I do my best to respond to everyone. So. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. People forget that like they're DMing you. Yeah, yeah. And you have to go through every one of them. So if you just do a flame emoji on a photo, it's very nice. But eventually you have to go through all those flame emojis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might not respond to the single emoji, but if you actually write me a note, I'll respond. I love it. Um, thank you. Thank you for taking an hour and having a conversation. I know you're busy. I know you have a lot of things going on. So I just want to say thank you for taking the time and kind of sharing your story. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Anytime.